This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So yeah, I used the savings from switching to Progressive 50 years ago to finally buy my dream car. It's a self-driving flying car, but we just say self-flying now. You know, because it's the future, and cars fly in the future. So switch to Progressive and save big, because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. Hey, remember how 20 years ago I switched to Progressive? Well, now it's the future, and I used all those savings to buy this new hologram phone. Because, you know, it's the future, and everything is holograms now. So switch to Progressive and save big, because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me tonight is Scott Tanfield from Friends of Foam and Luca Viscigliosi, who has a popular YouTube channel, Luca's Channel. You can also see him on the Fulmish YouTube channel as well. This episode, we're going to start with the breaking news of the sacking of Claudio Ranieri as Fulham manager, and he has been replaced by Scott Parker as caretaker manager. We're also going to be talking about the match last night, which ended the Claudio Ranieri reign. And we might have time for another topic as well, but we're going to focus a great deal on this breaking news. And to get us going, I'm going to bring on Scott Tanfield to the show. Scott, how you doing? Very well, Russ. Good to be on again. It's great to have you on, Scott. Let's just get right to it. Thoughts on the sacking of Claudio Ranieri? Yeah, well, I think, um, I'm going to be honest with you, I think we knew it was coming, um, it, which is a matter of time, really, wasn't it? It was, um, there wasn't any improvement. Um, I think we'd all kind of lost a little bit of interest since Burnley, and it was a bit of a downhill struggle. Um, a lot of fans losing patience. Um, we were still 
kind of you know conceding two three goals a game. And I think, to be honest, um, if it wasn't West Ham, it was definitely going to be Southampton. Um, and the inevitable was now happened today. Okay, excellent there, Scott. Look forward to going into more detail on this in just a second. Luca, welcome to Cottage Talks. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me, Ross. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, well, let's get your opening thoughts on just this part of it, the sacking of Claudia Ranieri. Let me just ask you. Are you for this decision? Uh, yeah, I think it uh, eventually had to be done. I think on the whole, I think things got very, very stale with, with Ranieri. I think the approach with his play didn't go down too well with too many fans. Going from what we had before with Slavisa, the, the free-flowing football we had there, to what we had now, I don't think it really worked. And I think the sacking was right in the end. I think there's a couple of performances recently that haven't been up to scratch. I think West Ham was one of them as well, taking the lead and blowing that in the end. And last night as well wasn't good enough, so... I think you have to go in the end. Eventually, it's a right call. Okay, excellent. All right, Scott, right back to you. I'm actually going to read a quote that is on the full website. This is on the article, Parker, appointed caretaker manager. We'll be talking about the Scott Parker part of this in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I want to share these uh, quotes from Shai Khan because I find them revealing. And so I'm just going to read these quotes. Quote, this is from Shai Khan. Following our discussion this afternoon, Claudia Ranieri agreed to my decision that a change was in the best interest of everyone. No surprise to me, Claudia was a perfect gentleman as always. Claudio's tenure at Fulham didn't produce the outcome we anticipated and needed when I appointed him as manager in November. But be assured, he is not solely to blame for the position we are in today, unquote. That last part, Scott, I want to talk to you about. We were talking about this off-air. I agree that this was the right decision. But Claudia Ranieri is not solely responsible for what's going on with Fulham Football Club. No, of course he isn't. Um, and we know that. Um, I think, you know, at the time it was kind of, you know, wrong appointment for the wrong time. Um, you know, and he was always going to be in the firing line. Um, we we know that, you know, regardless of whatever manager you bring in now or I think whatever manager you could have brought in, um, we're going to face the same troubles. Um, you know, I'm hoping them quotes from Shad means that, you know, we are going to start looking at things from, say, board of directors downwards because we've been a complete mess behind the scenes all season. Um, you know, and that portrays, obviously, you know, on, onto the field of play. Um I think them quotes are interesting because I think with him stepping in um, and obviously telling us that, I think, you know, there are going to be other people that are probably going to bite the bullet over this for us. It's very interesting. I'm glad that that line has really been uh, looked at. I actually saw it from Ryan O'Donovan on his Twitter page from uh, football.london, and that's what really got me to think about it. Then I reread the quotes. I'm like, okay. You might be on to something, Scott, so I'm glad that we're talking about it. Luca, what are your thoughts about those quotes, especially that last part? Do you agree with Scott that maybe there's something else that potentially could be going on with? Obviously, Shaikon makes it perfectly clear. This isn't just Claudio Ranieri's fault, and maybe some other people involved with the club might be going as well. Again, we're just speculating, but maybe this is just the first of the shoots to drop here. I think it's more, I think Shai's maybe found out as a realisation that something's not quite right off the pitch. I'm not sure what it exactly is, but there's a few things that people or fans that have looked to. Obviously, Tony Khan's been in the firing line for, for reasons maybe people can agree with and disagree with, but 
there's definitely something that's not right in the football club, whether it's the recruitment side of things that are affecting what goes on the pitch or even something else further behind the scenes. I'm not too sure, but I do agree with Shide's quotes that, you know, it's not, it's not all Ranieri's fault, of course it isn't, but there's definitely something not right at this football club. And I'm not too 100% sure what it exactly is, but there will be, I think there could be some wholesale changes in the summer, definitely. Right, and uh, that's where I think Scott was going on that, you know, when you really need to reassess. But, Luca, when Fulham do go down and they are going down, they are more than likely going to be relegated. I think it would be a miracle for that not to happen. I think this gives them another chance to reinvent themselves. And because people have come to me and say, well, were you in favor of getting rid of Ranieri? And I did not want them to have three managers again in the season, just like they did the last time that they got relegated. But I think this gives them an opportunity to reshape who they are again, because like you mentioned, and I totally agree with you, there's something wrong and they need to figure out what's wrong and come back stronger if they want to get back to the Premier League. So your thoughts? Uh, well, I think obviously this is going to give us a bit of an opportunity now to, as you said, to, to really try and work things out and see what happens. Obviously, Scott Parker is going to take, to take the job to the end of the season. And his, his performance could have a big say on what happens in the summer. I, I wouldn't be too keen on him coming in as permanent manager next season. Okay. I think if he has some, somehow have a good run and puts together some good results, I don't think we should look at that too much. I think we made that same mistake with Kit Simons where, in the short term, it was good. He kept us up. But then building on a long-term foundation with Kit Simons trying to get us up back into the Premier League, this wasn't the best idea. I don't think that would be the best idea. If, For example, if Scott has a good run of games, then I don't think we should look too far into that, I don't think. That's a very good point for bringing up the situation with Kip because he ended up winning the job, Luca. Scott, what are your thoughts yeah. about now we're transitioning to talk about Scott Parker and Luca brings up a good point talking about Kit. You know, he has an opportunity here to potentially win the job permanently. I'm I'm not saying that he should be that person when Fulham are down in the championship, but he's going to be in the job. He has an opportunity here. So what are your thoughts about the potential comparison that Luca just said to the situation with Kit Simons? Yeah, I mean Luca's got a good point. Um I mean we made that mistake with Kit Simons, we know. Um we always know that there's going to be probably a, a bit of a manager bounce. Um, I'd be very surprised if it happens with Scott Parker because, as we know, the next four games, I believe it's Chelsea, Leicester, Liverpool, City. Is that right? Um, uh, and that's yeah. going to be a task for him yeah. to get anything out of that. Uh, maybe, maybe even come away with a point. Um, so it's going to be tough for him. But, yeah, I think um, the basis is, I mean, the, getting rid of Ranieri now um, says to me that the club need to make movements behind the scene by approaching um, certain candidates ready for next year. If that okay. wasn't the case, then they would leave Ranieri, um, obviously, in situ because there's no difference. You might as well just leave him in. We get relegated, he goes. So the whole purpose of him, obviously, moving on now is that we we start making moves behind the scenes. I'm in the same camp because I don't particularly want to see him get the job full-time. I just feel that we've not learned from that mistake last time and I, and I right. really hope we go down that avenue again. Um, but we need to be sort of reaching out to obviously potential candidates now that they can possibly kind of join towards the tail end of the season or, or maybe that someone's in a job that we, we're we going to approach and we do this cr- the correct way. Um, as I say, because you might as well let Ranieri in charge until the end of the season, really. Um, but yeah, let's let, let's hope we do this properly. I mean, from Scott Parker's point of view, I don't think it's going to affect him. All it's going to do realistically is strengthen his position at the club. 
gives him a little bit of managerial experience. And when a new guy comes in, it kind of cements him as a more permanent number two as well. So it will do him the world of good. Um, but let's just, yeah, hope we do it the right way. Okay. Let me go back to you because I want to focus on Scott Parker now as caretaker manager. And Cottage uh, co-host Emilio Donnell mentioned this to me earlier today. We were just talking about the situation with Parker and what the approach should be in his opinion, moving forward the rest of the season with the players under Scott Parker. So I want to ask you both this, and Scott, I'll start with you. His feeling is that Fulham should do their best to maximize their assets, talking about Ryan Sessegnon, Tom Kearney, Alexander Mitrovic. Play to your strengths. Play to your best players. Play your best players twofold because obviously you want to end the season as strong as possible. But let's be honest, you're going to have to sell some serious assets. You want to get those assets up, Ryan Sessegnon especially. What are your thoughts about that, Scott? Because, again, we have to start thinking about the future. So I thought Emilio bringing this to my attention to ask you guys this I think is interesting. Do you agree with him that we should be playing Sessegnon, Kearney, all of our top players for two reasons? One, to do the best we can the rest of the season, and two, to maximize their value. Yeah, I mean, you've got to play to your strengths now. Um, you know, there's always a, a slim chance that you can possibly do something, but it's going to take a miracle. But, you know, I think for once, and uh, going back to the, the 2013-14 season, um, when we got relegated um, and come down with Magat, um, you know, we were in a sort of a bit of a sad position, really, because we had an ageing squad. Uh, we never really had any assets. Um, you know, the Khan's basically sort of handed the keys to Magat and said, you know, you do what you want. And he kind of got rid of the players that, you know, like the Hanglands, you know, the Stockdales or whatever, the Sibwells that possibly yep. could have just pushed for an automatic return. Um, I'm hoping, again, and it looks like it, they've learned from those mistakes. Um, and going down this time, we're in a very healthy position. Um, yes, we spent £105 million, but obviously with parachute payments... And for once, and I've banged on about this before, Russ, that we've actually now got sellable assets within the squad. Absolutely. You know, Sessignon, um, you know, we've got Kearney, um, you know, we've got Mitrovich, uh, um, we've got Siri. I mean, you know, even Anguisa, I mean, obviously yep. not had a season, but they're on good contracts. We, you know, we, we can warrant good money for them. Um, but the juggling act, you know, has to start, obviously, when we go down. I mean, Obviously, you've got to look at it and maybe do we go down the Wolves route and try and sort of, you know, retain, you know, premiership players at that level and maybe make a push to come straight back. Um, or, you know, if we are going to get rid of assets, we've got to sell them for top dollar. But at the same time, we've got to be replacing um, sure. players, you know, with, with like for like. We've got to go out and get that 20 goal striker straight away, you know, not not wait until the tail end of the season. Um these are all lessons that need to be learned. But coming back to, obviously, the main question, I think what Parker needs to be doing now, what the club needs to be doing, is playing to our strengths, um, okay. play, players in their positions. you know. Um, and if we are going to sell assets and they are going to go, we need to put them in the shop window. That's natural. Absolutely. Football club. Um, and maybe bring in a few, couple of youth players around the squad. Um, you know, you don't know when we go down. Um, like a Why not give Stephen Sessignon a chance, Scott? Stephen Sessignon, yeah, I mean, you're right, Russ, a few of them assets. Just get them around the squad. Um, right. Matt O'Reilly. Yeah, if the, if the now's in the coffin, then bring them in, bleed them in, because it's, you know, you're going to use one or two of them when you go down. So there's, you know, 
it's a sad time for us, but at the same time, I think it's positive if we do this the right way. Totally agree. And uh, that's why I wanted to talk a little bit about this now. Luca, what are your thoughts about this? Because, you know, I found it interesting that, and uh, Miller's looking at this long term because he wants Fulham to bounce back. And this time around, if Fulham are relegated and it's likely to happen, they have a chance to really have a good amount of money if they sell the right people, the right players. And uh, But I think part of the problem is that some of these players, I don't think, have been playing enough. Ryan Sessegnon, I, I can point right to him. And I think his value probably has slipped, partially because he hasn't been playing as much. So what are your thoughts about the situation with, with the club, with Parker, playing to your strengths like Scott said? But I think it's also – I think you need to get these players in the shop window and get their value up to help you bounce right back into the Premier League. What are your thoughts about all that? Well, I think first and foremost, if I'm Scott Parker, I'd try and get this group to have a bit more freedom. So I think under Ranieri, it was quite publicly um, – Frustrated with a number of players. I think he was a bit frustrated with Sessignon, saying he wasn't physically up to the standards. Yes. Publicly slating players. So I'll definitely try and get him to play a bit more freedom and a bit more belief. So I do think that on the whole, we lacked a little bit of that under Ranieri. I think that, I that defensive approach, I don't think it was really suited to a team who had been used to a, a three year plan of playing good football and playing it on the floor, playing out from the back and playing quick attacking football. But suddenly changed that into a defensive style, which was very short term. It was never going to properly work, in my opinion. So yep. I'd definitely try and go back to a winning formula we had last year. If we can I agree with get you. back to that, I'm not too sure. I know there's question marks over defensively, conceding too many goals this season, but in terms of the group we've got, I think they're suited more to playing with an open attacking style of football than sitting back and trying to hit, hit teams on the counter-attack. So well, I agree. I'd definitely try and go back to a bit more freedom on the pitch, trying to get some of these players their confidence back up because this group's have really lacked a lot of confidence, in my opinion. There's a few players in this team who are, who are the shadows of the players they once were. We've mentioned Ryan Sessegnon, who's not the same player he once was. Tom Kearney's another one we're playing on the right side of midfield and yep. isn't, hasn't looked as much more effective through the middle, in my opinion. There's a waste so, out there. He was a waste out on the right. Oh, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Um, a waste out on the right, I agree. I think he's much more effective through the middle. So you definitely got to try and look at that and think, you know, in the short term, try and get them playing a bit more confidence, a bit more freedom. And, and I think the problem is if we go down next season and they talk about he- heavily investing, I think you look at teams like Aston Villa and Stoke, who might have you know, arguably been in a worse situation than us, spent a lot of money trying to gamble to try and get back up and... It hasn't worked for them. So no. hopefully we don't make too many wholesale changes because it's not an easy league to get out of. And spending massive amounts of money doesn't always guarantee success in that league either. So I'd probably try and look to try and keep the majority of the group together. If they want to be there, then great. If they don't want to be there, we'll have to sell them on. But I don't think heavily investing in a whole group, new group of players would be the best idea. So if we try and keep the main mainstays of this group together, then fantastic. But if we can't, then we'll have to go back into the market and try and invest wisely into players who want to play for us next year. Well, let me ask you this, and then I'll go to Scott, because this is a very interesting discussion, talking about what Scott Parker should do. It sounds like to me, Luca, you're talking about playing with freedom, that you want Fulham under Parker to go back to playing the possession style under Savisa and getting that identity that they had under Savisa, which they had no identity under Ranieri. Am I reading too much into what you're looking for? I just think personally, I think the style under Ranieri didn't suit the group we had. I think we were much right. better suited to a style of football which is playing it from the out from the back and playing it through the thirds than breaking right. teams down. I just don't. I think, agree with you. Yeah, the short-term style of under Ranieri didn't look seem to suit the players we had, unfortunately. So I'd go back to what we knew. I'd go back to what we know best and just build from there. 
Totally agree with you. Scott, what are your thoughts about this? Because, again, my big problem with bringing in Ranieri, when the decision was made to get rid of Savisa, and my fear has come true. I feared that if they sacked Savisa and brought in someone with a completely different style, Fulham would struggle, and that's exactly what happened because the players were not suited to play under Ranieri. They were suited to play under Jokanovic. So what do you think about what Luke is talking about, playing with freedom, letting Parker get this team to play to their strengths, like you said, but I think part of their strengths is playing like they did under Savisa. Yeah. Um, just before we touch on that, there's a bit of news coming while we've been on here, uh, Russ. So it's um, sky-breaking sky news. So um, Stuart Gray has been reappointed with Scott Parker. Um, he, he comes back and takes training on Friday as his assistant. Wow. That's great news, Scott. What are your thoughts about Stuart Gray coming back? Well, I think that's possibly undoing one of the bigger mistakes as well by bringing him back. Um, I don't think he should have ever been sort of let go as a defensive type coach. Um, obviously, again, under the fold of working in the championship, I think that's 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 a good decision. It's um, absolutely it's a bit of it, um, especially with Parker. They've you know they've been there, worked there together. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Back to the original question. Um, no, I think I think we need to be playing to our strengths. I think Parker will um, will give the team a bit more freedom, as, as Lucas says. Um, you know, I think for me, it's the players that we originally had under um, obviously Savisa weren't ready for the changes that that, that we imposed by Rainier. It, it was very quick, it was very abrupt, yep. and with a fragile team and and, and kind of um, you know fragile emotions already. I th- I think it just broke us. Um, you know, when you're low on confidence, um, you know, changes like that are not going to happen. And when you look on the kind of scale of both coaches, completely different. Um, so the appointment, as I said, I, I, he, he, you know, Ranieri can't shoulder all of the blame. It was sure. me a, a wrong appointment at the wrong time. I think we may have got around it a bit better if we appointed a, you know, a, a kind of um, a more passing type coach. Um, That's what I know, would, it would have made. Yeah, it would have made it a little bit easier. Someone like a Rogers or someone like that likes to play yeah, like football. Like a transition but... to someone that is similar in style. They went someone completely opposite. Yeah, so you know, just wrong timing. It didn't work. You know, we we tried to roll the dice, and you know, it's put us further in the mire. But it's it's done now. It's finished. Um, you know, and Parker needs to come in. And uh, I think we discussed this on on previous shows, Russ. I think yep. the biggest thing now is or the hardest job that, that Parker's got is to basically, you know, build morale again, get confidence levels back up. Yes, play, totally agree. Play, uh, because this will have a big impact for next season because the way that probably morale is at the moment, most players want to leave, but he's got to try and repair that. And hopefully this interim period will, will bring that back together and we'll have players, you know, wanting to sort of stay next season rather than all sort of jump a sinking ship. That's actually a great point. Luca, over to you. First of all, thoughts on what Scott just shared there, and also the breaking news of uh, the return of Stuart Gray. I thought that when he left, I, I was worried about that that would really hurt Fulham. I think it has. I, I'm a fan of Stuart Gray's. I thought he did a really great job building up the defense to the point where I, I you know, again, I, I thought they were solid, and him leaving, I, I was concerned about. Again, I'm not in training, but based on what I've heard and what what I've read, that um, Stuart Gray did a good job for Fulham. So what are your thoughts about his return? I think that can only really be, be a positive, really. I think, as you said, more, 
um, from what he did last season, he had quite a significant role in the organisation of our back line, which was a significant part of us going up towards the end of the season. So it's definitely a big positive there. And especially even prior to us, what he did at Sheffield Wednesday as well. A lot of Sheffield Wednesday fans um, yeah. towards the end of the Carver Car- Car- Howe era said about the foundation team laid down as well after a turbulent they time love him, they man. went through. Yeah, they do. Yeah. After a turbulent time they went through in League One when he got them out. I don't think he got them promoted, but I think he took them over in 14, 15, I think it was. And for that finish in the top half, of, I think they did. So he laid down some solid foundations for Carvey to take over with. And obviously he got to two play- a playoff final and a playoff semi-final. So he's definitely capable of, of organising and definitely restructuring a team. Whether or not he'll be here in the summer, I'm not too sure. But definitely in the short term, it's a, only, an only posit- a positive thing. Okay, excellent, guys. All right, let's uh, transition and let's work on what's been going on with Fulham and, and why they're in the situation that they're in. I thought this would be a good time to talk about this because it's, it was an interesting article a few weeks ago from Ryan O'Donovan. I think it's a good jumping off point to really talk about what has happened with Fulham this season. The article is entitled The Errors That Have Left Fulham With No Identity and On the Brink of Premier League Relegation. This was written on February 11th, so this is a while ago, but I think his points really stand out, and I want to go through each one of them, guys, and and just get your thoughts on, did Ryan get this right to really figure out what has happened to Fulham this this season? So let's start with recruitment. I'm just going to read an excerpt from it and then go to one of you, and we can talk about it. This is what Ryan O'Donovan wrote on football.london recruitment. Most fans' view is that the recruitment this year has large part to play in the poor season Fulham currently undergoing. Twelve new players were signed in the summer for over £100 million, but the vast majority of them have failed to have much of an impact with the feeling being that the sheer volume brought into the club has upset the apple cart somewhat. Okay, Scott, over to you. What are your thoughts about, obviously, the first part? That's where we have talked a great deal. Your thoughts on the recruitment. Do we begin there with why Fulham are in the situation that they're in? I think you think you have to. Yeah. I mean, recruitment's a big one. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the attentions were there. We went out, spent the money. You know, we tried to show intent. Um, you know, we, we, we tried to show the Premier League that we, you know, we were coming up and wanted to compete. But um, I think we've just shown a lack of experience in obviously – you know, how we've gone out and done our business and what we've bought. Um, again, we've discussed this on previous shows, Russ, where I think we've gone out and bought too many Rolls-Royce type players in, yep. in like the, um, obviously, Sherl, um, or Scherler, um, Siri, you know, and Guisa, stuff like that, individual players that, you know, haven't really fitted uh, a type of system that we we play. And they're individual players that I feel um, that are there for money and, and not really for, for the club. Um, you know, teams have proved it time and time again when they've come up, they've added two or three players here and had a better impact on the division. Um, you know, and we looked at our model down in the championship where we relied heavily on loans, come up, obviously we left yep. it late and being in, in the playoff final, you know, and we've had to rush through these players and, and play them. So what we've been left with is is a kind of conundrum where, you know, we, we've lacked players, we, we, we've pulled too many players into the side, um, and then we've obviously tried bundling that team together and asked them to get instant results, and it's just not happened. Um, on top of that, recruitment-wise as well, I mean, again, I've banged on about it before, that back four is atrocious. Um, yes. You know, it's a championship back four, you know, besides probably Mawson that 
kind of, um, you know, he was injured at Swansea, but he still went down with them. Um, Brian, Christie, uh, you know, Reem, Adoy. And every time I talk about this, it frustrates me because the quality there just, and it's not their fault, you know, it's just not a premiership back four. Um, and you look at that, it's horrific. With some of the talent we come up against, you know, week in, week out, and spend that amount of money, Russ, and not invest in one of those yep. most important areas is just frustratingly, it makes me angry, you know? Totally agree, Scott. It's funny because uh, when I look at the re- recruitment, you have to look at the defense because it just hasn't been good enough. Let me ask you this because uh, Emilia brought this up to me as well. I'm curious your thoughts about Alfie Mawson because Alfie Mawson actually started to really improve until he got hurt again in, in the Huddersfield Town match and that the defense started playing fairly well, Scott. How much do you put down to his injury the second time being the undoing for Ranieri? Because if you think about it, it was starting to gel a little bit, and then Mawson gets hurt. It's unfortunate. What what are your thoughts about his impact? I I know we're talking about the defense overall, but I think he started to come good. Yeah, I mean, actually, he was bought with that intention. I mean, you know, he was a bit of a shining star in in Swansea's relegated side. He had something, a bit of presence, a bit of a leader, you know, sort of height, build. he started off a bit slow coming back for his injury, but it's the same thing, Russ. We, we've gone out and bought him injured when we needed players. Know. You know, It wasn't as if he sort of come and in got a knock. We we bought him with a Italian knee injury that he had at Swansea, and he went off and had the, you know, the keyhole surgery. So, you know, he, he's gone and had that. He's come in. He's not fit. You know, we've tried to rush him back. There's probably been a bit of inflammation there. You know, he's, he's played, he's bent down, he's popped his knee again, and he's gone. Um and again, it just adds to you know the, the conundrum that we've had with, with with recruitment. It's the right type of player that we wanted, but not in the right situation. And naturally, yeah. you are going to improve with players like him in the side. I mean, if he gets fit, it will be a massive asset down in the championship. We'll probably be Absolutely. one of the best in that division. Um, but it, it didn't help our plight coming up. It was just another waste of you know why, why are we going out buying players with? I mean, even if we bought Mawson with an injury, why didn't we go out and get another centre back? Why didn't we go out and spend? You know, it's it's just it's just so wrong, isn't it? Yeah. W- listen, I'm there with you, Scott, because I was, you know, really hesitant with the Moss and Deal because of the injury. I could see the value, and, and I think there was too much put on the value of it. Well, we got him because he was injured, but they needed to start off strong, and he wasn't really going to be able to help them in the beginning, and I just thought that was – Bad timing, and uh, that I think in the end he could work out, but I think that's also a factor in um, Fulham's play because we're talking about the defense, and again, he's dealt with two injuries, one coming into the club and one now. It's uh, it's unfortunate. All right, Luca, over to you. Here's another part in Ryan's article. This part is entitled, Too Much Reliance on the Loan System. I'm just going to read the excerpt. This is from Ryan O'Donovan, London. During the Jokanovic reign of Fulham, which lasted just two and a bit years, 40 different players were brought into the club. Last season alone saw the club sign eight different loan players over the course of the season, with a side finishing the campaign with six loanees on their books. That included Matt Target, Alexander Mitrovic, Tomas Kallas, Lucas Piazon, and Ollie Norwood, all of whom could be considered core members of the squad that saw the side promoted. Once you lose those at the end of the season, Fulham were left with just 16 first-team players. Add to that the departure of Ryan Fredericks 
and you have just 15. Luca, I think this is one of the stories of the season that we don't talk enough about, the fact that our team last season was built a good amount on the loan system, and then we had to replenish those players. Your thoughts on this as being part of uh, the problem with Fulham this season? Well, I think it also ties in with the recruitment last year as well. I think last summer, again, we signed, I think, was it 12 players or more, I think it was. Yep. And the, a number of them for big money didn't just weren't good enough. You look at Rui Fonte up front, was poor. I think we shelled out £9 million, then, didn't we? And he's yep. no good at all. I think Rafa Suarez, the left-back, the Portuguese left-back, was brought in with, with a decent reputation, was going to be the left-back who was going to be part of the promoted winning team. But we didn't see enough of him either. So it then meant we had to go back in, into January to try and really revive the season. And obviously, we've got Mitrovic and targeting. But it is a problem because if you compare that to the teams who went up alongside us in Cardiff and Wolves, they sort of had, in my opinion, a bit more of a plan. I know Cardiff going up was probably a bit of a surprise, but Wolves, right. in, my opinion, in my opinion, had more of a clear-cut plan where they had permanent transfers within the side, and if they went up, it was a case of maybe replacing one or two of them with maybe an upgraded type of player, and the same with Cardiff as well. But I definitely think going up with, with loanies would have been a problem. It was a risk, and perhaps it's a question of whether the loanies would have been good enough to play in the Premier League, and that was a, a question that came up quite a lot on social media through the summer, whether people like Callas and Norwood would have been able to that step up into the Premier League when, especially Callas as well, didn't get much game time between, I think, was it February to the end of the season? He was really pushed out by a right. boy at centre-half, and Savisa used him a lot, really, at centre-half, didn't he? Right. The one player that stands out to me is Matt Target. I, I know they wanted Matt Target. It didn't come off. Do you see that as a major yeah. loss for Fulham this season, not being able to get him? Yeah, I think it was. And I think I think with Mark Hughes in charge of Southampton, I think he tried to stump up the price probably a little bit too much to probably what it was worth. But it was definitely a big miss, I think, especially with how good he was at left-back last season. He's just a fantastic player, especially at left-back. It was an area we needed to strengthen. And it was just a, a brilliant signing all, all around. His, his distribution on the ball was good. His delivery was fantastic as well. Most of the time, his crosses were quite pinpoint. And I think we have missed him a hell of a lot. And comparing him to Joe Bryan, it's, it's frustrating, really, because I don't think Joe Bryan's as good, and he's probably prone to a, a, a mistake, a much more bigger mistake than probably what the target is. So yeah. that's been a bit big miss this season. Yeah. What are your thoughts about the loss of Brian Fredericks? I met, mentioned this on more than a few shows, Luca. You know, it's funny because uh, he goes to West Ham, and I'm thinking, okay, they can replace him. But I think we've missed Ryan Fredericks as much as we have missed not getting Matt Target. Your thoughts? I think the right-back position has probably been the area we've needed to strengthen most, in my opinion. It's definitely been a, a big hole. And Fredericks, well, I think we kind of knew last January that he wanted to go. And I think that's probably why we brought Christian in last January to try and bed him in yep. for about six months with yep. the view to hopefully breaking him into the first team come August, depending on what division it would be in. I think if we'd have stayed in the championship, we'd have probably started in, as right-back in, in the championship. And even, even if we'd have went up as well, I'm sure the coaching staff would have, would have had a view at least of him starting as well. But... When you're in the Premier League, I think people like Christie and Adoy's actually played right back for the past couple of games. They're simply not good enough. And the failure to replace them two in the January transfer window with a decent right back has, in my opinion, probably killed off any hopes of us even staying up, in my opinion, because it's definitely been an area, as you said, we've definitely failed to replace Fredericks, and it's effectively cost us, in my opinion. Absolutely. All right, Scott, back to you. To go along with what we're talking about, Ryan writes about too many signings in the summer, and he writes this. I'm going to just read this excerpt, just this little part. Con Sr. backed the club massively and spent a lot of money. 
while there was nothing to suggest at the time that these players were not good players. However, the problem of building a side with too many loanies meant that there had to be a lot of new signings to make sure the squad was strong enough, meaning the number that came in was inevitable. Okay, Scott, your thoughts. Again, this goes hand-in-hand to the whole situation with having so many loan players last season. Your thoughts about this, but I want to give um, Shai Khan a lot of credit. This isn't about not having the willingness to spend money. And again, I think that he's ambitious. I just think they got it wrong. But I think this goes hand-in-hand with talking about the loans, Scott, that um, we had to bring in all these players. And it's unfortunate how it all turned out. But your thoughts about signing too many players? Yeah, but it's, it's the old saying is it too many cooks bowl of broth. Um, I said before, I think most time uh, most clubs sort of, you know, they tend to do a lot better by just adding, you know, sort of two or three, you know, into into a squad that's already there. But you know, we we never really had that choice. Um, you know, sort of coming up with the amount of loans that we had. Um, you know, you've naturally lost all of those players like Callas. Um, you know, um, and others within the squad that, that probably could have helped us in the Premier League, or, or, or actually made us perform better than we are now. I mean, <clears throat> people sort of say that was Callas, you know, sort of good enough um, for that level, but he wouldn't have been any worse than what we've got now. Um, but then we don't know really in regards to. I mean, Chelsea seemed to hold or hold us to ransom for a lot of them players as well. Yeah. Um, sort of the prices for Piazon Callas, um, you know, so. It, we, we've had to look elsewhere, but I mean, the, the model's not worked. We know it hasn't worked, and you know that's going to have to be changed again if we go down. Um, I'd like to see us follow something similar to what Wolves did, where we kind of you know pre-built sort of side, you know, ready to sort of step up, and then, then just add two or three additions. Um, you know, yes, we've got financial fair play to, to contend with, but if done correctly, um, it can be done right. Um, I just think that we we gave ourselves too much of a task. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, even when you look at Norwood now playing for Sheffield United, people say, oh, you know, was he good enough to step up? But he would have been more mobile than the actual central midfielders that we've got now. He probably would have been <laughs> busy than what, what Ken is in the Premier League because a few of those players that we thought would have stepped up to, to the plate um, haven't done so. Um, That's right. And you sort of question now, the Ken is, the Sessegnons, you know, um, you know, are, are are they actually Premier League players? Possibly not, you know? Okay, very good there, Scott. All right. Luca, back over to you. I think this is something that we have to talk about in Ryan's article. I'm just going to read the title because I think this says it all. A shambles of a preseason. I think this is a huge factor in uh, Fulham's season this year. They, they were not prepared. Again, all the players are coming late. But I think even myself, I was trying not to look at how bad the preseason was because I'm like, oh, it's just the preseason. But I think now looking back, I think that was a factor in our, our poor season this season. Luca, your thoughts? I do agree with that. I think a preseason, if you get all your players in at the right time, it sets the tone for what's to come, I think. And we didn't have the opportunity to really get the group together for a large part of preseason. I think, as you said, a large number of players were brought in on a deadline day. I think the Crystal Palace game wasn't the next day, I think, the Saturday. I think that was a Friday night. I think the Palace game was a Saturday afternoon the next day. So straight away, we fielded a bunch of players who came in the previous day. And there was really no um, sort of cohesion there, was there? So I think we did miss a, a trick. But so, we did miss a trick, actually, without trying to get the players in beforehand. But there could have been reasons to why we couldn't get them in earlier. For all we know, there could have been valid reasons as to why. But it's definitely had an effect on our season, not having 
the group we wanted to, to have a couple of games together prior to our season starting just to get to know each other and maybe each other a little bit more. Okay, very good there, Luca. Okay, final topic in Ryan's article is this. Sacking Jokanovic and hiring Ranieri. I'm just going to read an excerpt from it. I want to ask you both this part. The decision to sack Jokanovic in the middle of November was one that split fans. Some felt the time was right to remove the head coach after a seven-game winless run, while others felt sticking with him was the better option. We'll never know if Jokanovic could have turned things around at Craven Cottage after Khan Sr. sacked him, instead opting for Ranieri, who he described as a risk-free appointment. As it turned out just a few months later, the hiring was anything but risk-free. Okay, and this is also from Ryan O'Donovan's article. Scott, over to you. You and I have talked about the sacking of uh, Jokanovic and hiring Ranieri. What are your thoughts about it now? Have you changed your view on it at all? Or do you still feel the same way as you did back then? Sorry, could you repeat that, Russ? It just broke up a little bit there. Sure, sure. Sacking Jokanovic and hiring Ranieri. Right, well, I'm, I'm going to put my hands up and say that, you know, um, I was one of those ones that thought it was a good idea, um, you know, and honestly thought that Ranieri would come in and make an impact, and I got it completely wrong. Um you know, I don't mind admitting my own mistakes, um, uh, but I think the majority of us thought that, you know, um, that Ranieri would come in and, you know, be risk-free um, and have an impact and yep. shake things up a bit. But it wasn't to be. Um, and when you look at that kind of um, incident, it's kind of, you know, it wasn't the fault of... Uh, I mean, yes, he had his own faults, the way that he sort of played his system and, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it, it wasn't anything but risk-free, was it? Um, I mean, no. it's anything. It's got us relegated. And I think that the decision has, has probably plummeted us more in trouble than, than it should have done, really. Um, if we had waited and sort of um, stuck with Jukanovic, would we have been in a better position? Um, it's hard to say. Um, yeah. I think we may have had more of a, a kind of a team bonding or a little bit more effort in games and possibly could have come better. Um, but then we look at January and if that was the case, um, you know, Jukanovic would have needed back in as well and he probably wouldn't have got back to the same as Ranieri did with, with, with players coming in, you know. So sure. it's it's a bit of a conundrum, really. I'm glad Ranieri's gone. He, he, for me, he wasn't a Fulham man. He, he wasn't no. Fulham at all um, and it certainly wasn't risk free um, I say no. if anything it's a lot worse and, and, and now you know we're, we're reaping the decision to be honest so. okay Luca your thoughts on this the sacking of Jokanovic and hiring Ranieri I'm curious what you thought about it back then and what you feel about it now well originally when Jokanovic was sacked I was behind it I think I know his last game in charge there was improvement at Anfield particularly that first half where we um, scored an offside goal, Mitrovic from a set piece. Sessignon had a big chance, didn't he, early on that game. Went through one on one and missed. And there was an improvement there, but a couple of performances prior to that, especially away at Huddersfield, was a pretty drab performance that night. And I think that was probably the night where he kind of lost his job, I think. And look, as, as Scott said, the Ranieri approach or the Ranieri effect hasn't worked, but I don't believe that Jakanovic would have done much better, to be honest. And the window as well, we didn't, actually, the January window wasn't a great window either for. Ranieri, as Scott says, well, didn't get didn't get the backing that he probably would have liked. But 
I'm still firmly behind the decision to sack Jukanovic. I think he was arguably found out in the Premier League trying to play too much of an open style with a with a team that probably wasn't fit to actually play that system in a such a high quality league, and I think that's probably what cost his job. Uh, in the okay. End. Going back to that Liverpool match because that's the conundrum I have. I, I'm one that actually did not want to sack Slavisa, and I got an indication. I thought he was changing a little bit, Luca, in that match. Thought he played a little bit differently, and I thought, okay, he's finally learning. Am I wrong about that, or am I just is this just revisionist history for me that maybe I was reading too much into one match? Well, I think prior to that Liverpool match, I think wasn't it Huddersfield? I think, and I can't remember who it was before that. So yeah, it was I think horrible. Liverpool, but, yeah, yeah. I think there had to be a change in, in the style of play. I think okay. Kavic opt, looked to try and go to a more defensive style. And it didn't work at Huddersfield. But he, for the first time, he actually went with Chambers in the field at Anfield. And I was on the whole yeah. quite impressed with him that day. He looked quite mobile. He got stuck in. I know his distribution wasn't the best that day, but he seems to do, to do the basics well off the ball. He put a few good challenges in. And perhaps there was that um, thought of maybe that this could be a turning point. But at the end of the day, we rolled the dice and gambled on letting him go. And it, and it hasn't worked, potentially. If And we, we might come to regret, regret that decision next season. But... I just don't think I think it was the right choice. I think okay. the players I think I just think he might have lost a dressing room, I think, especially after Huddersfield. I know the performance against Liverpool, the first half was good, but the second half we faded. Once that Salah goal went in on top of half time, we kind yep. of really petered down the second half. So I don't think much had really changed, in my opinion. Okay. Very good. Just say one last time. And I understand and I respect your view on it and Scott's view on it. I, I would have stuck with Savisa, I would have gone down with Savisa. I said that a long time ago. So that's just my view on it, and uh, but I was thought that the decision of the the man that they picked, I, I had no problem with Ranieri, and uh, I was wrong about that too. I was totally wrong, totally yeah. wrong about Ranieri. He was not the right man for Fulham Football Club, and it didn't work out. Okay, I think just to touch on that, Russ, quickly before. Sure, we... go ahead. When when it comes to sacking a coach that's given you um, possibly some of the best football that you know, um, some of us have seen. Um, you know, I mean that 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 sort of championship um, kind of twenty three game unbeaten run. The way that we play football was yeah, it was some of the best football. And that was their football. identity, Scott. Yeah, you know, it was. Was, it was. It was an identity, and you know, it was it was a great day out for the fans. You know, and we we got to Wembley through the guy, you know, and Savisa. You know, I mean, through some of the <clears throat> kind of tussles that he had with the club in regards to control over the team or whatever. He, you know, he managed to still put it together and actually push us and get us up to that division. So when it comes to sacking an individual like that, it's it's difficult because obviously you know, you've got ties with that guy. Um, and, you know, the problem is, I mean, we all look at the Burnley model and we say, you know, they come up with Dyche, they went, uh, Dyche, yeah. sorry, they come up with Dyche, they went down with Dyche, they come up with Dyche. You know, that that's fine. I mean, Burnley is a club, um, you know, in regards to money and stature and stuff like that. I mean, they, you know, they, 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 they have to do that model. You know, they, they can afford to kind of stick with Daesh and, and, and play that kind of game. In Fulham's situation, they come up, you know, they, they, they spend 105 million. Um, it's a lot of money to spend. And to be to be fair to us, you know, we shouldn't have been in this situation. We should have come up. We had a decent platform. We had the money. We got the owners behind us, you know, the redevelopment of the Riverside or whatever, the players that we bought. The owners, for me, yes, they were, and this goes back to what Luca was saying. I mean, I don't think I have any regrets about it. Um, and the owners were right to roll the dice. They had to do what yeah. they had to do to keep Fulham in the Premier League. It wasn't as if it was a natural process where we go up, you know, we can't compete because we don't have the money and we're not a stature of a club or whatever. We, we could, you know. 
and to do what they did. They had to roll that dice, you know, in, in the hope that they kept us in the Premier League. They've rolled it. It hasn't happened. Um, you know, we go down and we just hope and pray now that the owners have learned their lessons now. I know that they haven't from last time, but they really, really oh, need to learn. So. So, but it was just a touch on that, Russ. Yeah, no, not a problem there, Scott. And I'm with you that, you know, I, I and again, um, everyone has to learn the lessons from the past and hopefully they will. And uh, we'll come back stronger next season in the championship because that's where we're going to be. All right, coming up next, guys, we're going to finish up the show by talking about the match that ended the Ranieri era. Okay, Luca, we're going to end the show by focusing on the match. Last night, we are recording this on Thursday. Fulham lost 2-0 to Southampton. And uh, this is one of the worst matches of the season. I don't know how you feel about it. In my mind, it was that bad. The two goals that they gave up were both very poor goals. I don't think Southampton were very good at all. I think they were there to be beat, not just to get a point, but Fulham were not good enough. They made the mistakes. They lost the match, and Claudio Ranieri lost his job partially because of it. This was probably the final nail there. What are your thoughts about the match last night? Well, it was a pretty pretty flat performance, wasn't it? And I think really when the team moves came out about an hour before kickoff, he went with three defensive midfielders, didn't he? He went with Van Giesa, McDonald yep. coming from the cold. I don't think he's played since October. So that definitely raised a few eyebrows straight away. And you also want the Callum Chambers there. And that, to me, gave the impression that there was going to be no really attacking impetus. It was mainly going to be a case of trying to sit in and maybe trying to hit them on the break, which we tried at West Ham. It didn't really work. I mean, at West Ham, there was a few times where sort of set piece would get the ball back, try and hit into, into the channel. And Mitrovic and Babel weren't there. So he's obviously trying to stick with that similar type of approach last night, and it didn't work. And as you mentioned, both goals were really poor goals to concede them in the first goal. Again, like West Ham, it's come from a set piece. We've been unable to deal with a set piece, and it's gone through a crowd of bodies and gone in. And even the second goal, I think it comes from our own goal kick. We don't, don't do the basics right again. Arguably a poor save from Rico, carrying it out to Ward Prowse, but even Joe Bryan, in my opinion, could do better as well. Yep. And uh, it's even in the blocks for goal as well, Tim Ream wasn't, you know, there's, there's so many things you can pick at for the second goal particularly as well, but it just sums up our season, doesn't it? Too many again, individual errors leading to, to so many soft goals this season. It's I think we've dropped, yeah. haven't we dropped ahead, something Scott. like that yeah. the other day, just to touch on what Luke was saying there. I yep. think we've dropped 10 positions, haven't we? I'm sorry, sorry, Scott, repeat that. Yeah, we've we've dropped just to touch on that. We've dropped, I think it's eighteen points from winning positions on top of the individual errors. Yeah, that's horrible. From winning positions. Yeah. Okay, very good, Scott. What are your thoughts on the the match? And you know, and again, for me, this really just epitomised form season. Um, I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch it last night. I, I okay. Played, um, the first half was underway. I, I sort of see the. Sort of first goal going, um, and then I had to get going. And the time I'd finished, you know, we, we'd lost. Um, but it doesn't surprise me. As I said, um, I called it another two nil, three nil, three one. It's just it tends to be a general pattern of, of how we lose games these days. To be honest, um, yeah. I can't really real feel uh, real feel feedback on it because I didn't watch it. Um, okay. But- um, it just seems to be the norm week in week out with us. Um, you know. And as Luke was saying, you know, individual areas, you know, we've got a goalkeeper punching where he should be catching. 
um, you know, sort of players that are just and it's and is it really down to sort of individual areas or is it is it down to players that are just not good for this level? And you've got to look at that, you know, you sure. dreams, you know, your Brian's or whatever. Uh, Christie's they're, they're not good. They're not good enough for this level. It's simple as really. Well, I'm glad that you said that, Scott, because I think several of these players aren't good enough for the level. And I also think the players are culpable for this season. And, uh, you know, here we are. We're talking about a lot of other things. Actually, someone tweeted to me, make sure that you talk about the players not performing well for Jokanovic and also for Ranieri. And uh, I don't think we talk enough about that. You know, and Luca, what what are your thoughts about this? Because, you know, I actually, like I said, someone tweeted me this, you know, make sure if you're going to talk about the season as a whole, you have to talk about the players not performing for both managers. But Scott just brought up a good point. Is part of that just that they're not good enough. And I think several of these players are just not good enough for this level. Well, I do agree with that. I think the players really got to take account, be accountable for this as well, be accountable, sorry, for this as well, haven't they? I mean, yeah. as Dennis Aboy said, I think it was in the evening standard yesterday, I think he said, don't yeah. just blame manager, blame us as well. And he's completely right there. There's been a number of players who have, in particularly big games this season, have gone hiding. And it's not good enough. Wing down the bottom, especially in such a big um, part of the season when you're trying to battle relegation, trying to get them off that dotted line, you need players who are going to stand up and be counted. And I think our problem this season is that too many players who opted to go hiding in games and not really want to uh, commit themselves to the calls. And it's um, obviously it's going to effectively cost us our, our Premier League status. And it has been a big a big issue this season. And I do agree that a number of these players just aren't good enough. They just seem a little bit a little bit lost in games as well. Some, yeah. as I said, individual errors. Um, and, yeah, individual errors really just do cost us in games. Okay, very good. Okay, right back to you. I want to talk to you about the match a little bit. First of all, what were your thoughts about the starting 11? You know, and again, uh, it really turned out to be a diamond formation. And I just, when I looked at the lineup, and you've already touched a little bit about this, I felt that uh, this was not a lineup that you were going for. It. You, you, you were, it looked like a, a tactical decision, but a little looked a little bit too defensive for me. But what are your thoughts an hour before the match when you saw the lineup? Well, I was a bit deflated, really. I think, especially when we're away from home at Southampton, they lost to Cardiff, obviously, in a big game there already. So I thought to myself, maybe if we can try and set up and just go for it. We've got nothing to lose. All the pressure was on Southampton, in my opinion. We're going into it. We know when yet we know when Yeri's future is hanging on by a thread. So we just need to try and put a good performance and we really try and test them. Treat it like maybe like a cup game and just go for it. And there's nothing to lose. And we didn't do that, obviously. We went for the conservative, narrow approach with the three defensive midfielders. Yep. And straight away, it just gives a signal of we're not going to, we're going to just sit behind the ball. It doesn't give the signal of, oh, we're going to go for this, we're going to give it a go. It just seems to me like as if it was a very conservative approach, which Ranieri used a lot throughout his tenure, and it just didn't work. It didn't work at all, Luca. And what's interesting about this, because this is something that I want to ask you about, because again, uh, it's funny, when I, when I looked at the approach and I saw that he was playing a diamond and uh, I was listening to Tony Gale's commentary on the match and he kept talking about how Fulham are playing this diamond and all Southampton did, Luke, and I think you're going to agree with this, they just decided to just get the ball on the flanks, especially on the left-hand side. What really irritated me was how much room they had on the left-hand side go, going down on the left-hand side of Southampton, the right-hand side of Fulham, and there was an issue there. And Ranieri did not adjust until late in the match when he brought on Sessegnon 
And Vieto, we're talking the 70th minute. He stuck with what was going wrong, Luca, and that actually surprised me. He's a tinker man. He had an opportunity to change this at halftime, and he didn't. I think that that's the problem with Ranieri. I think a number of his decisions in games have been quite strange, and he's, been, he's made a number of notable halftime substitutions in his tenure. And there's just a lot of tactical decisions really that just haven't that just seemed so confusing. I do agree. Last night, I think we saw in the reverse fixture when they was under Mark Hughes. I know it's a completely different manager, but yep. against our fragile defence, people like Nathan Redmond like to get the ball and they like to run at us, and that's what they tried yeah. to do last night. They saw the defensive frailty. They knew we had a disjoint in midfield, so. There's a case of getting the best players on the ball and then making it, making things happen. And that's why we, we can see so many soft goals because we're unaware of yeah. the danger around us. And the people, Ranieri or whoever the manager may be, just completely seem unaware of it. And it's so frustrating because surely if you're going a goal down, you're seeing it happen. Someone with common sense would think, right, if I can make a tactical change, maybe try and plug the gaps at least till half time, maybe keep it all one, get the right. regroup and try and, go, try and go again in the second half. But Ranieri doesn't seem like he wasn't aware of it. And, it's just, it's mind blowing. It really is, and yeah, it's just it's crazy. Yeah, and um, you know what's interesting, and I wrote this down because I watched back the match this morning, second time, and Tony Gale again. I keep referencing him. You know, he says in the 55th minute, Luca, you have to bite the bullet and make the change. He's talking about the formation. This is in the 55th minute. He had not changed anything up to that point. Like I said, and another 15 minutes later, he decides to change. He changes the formation as well. But by that time, it's too late. Uh, and especially, uh, I do agree with that, especially in when you're chasing that game, there's got to be a, something that goes through your mind, surely, when you think, well, right, we're going to have to go for it. There's nothing to lose yeah. now. We're, we're 2-0 down, 1-0 down. We'll at least try and go for it. If we get a goal back, whether it be a scrappy goal with about half an hour to go and that, we can really put them under the cosh, maybe even try and nick a point and just something to build upon. But it's like yeah. the Man United game as well. We're 2-0 down there. Ranieri decided to go back to the five-at-the-back formation. We brought on Cyrus Christie, and it effectively yeah. screamed game over. Like we weren't going to go for it. And that's what I'm trying to say. The, the questionable decisions tactically, we left it too late yeah. last night, as you said. And even against United as well, we were, we were just, it was just, it's just been really, really poor from Ranieri this season. And, this is effectively what's got in the sack, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. That's why I'm glad that we could end talking about the match briefly. I didn't want to go into too much detail because it, it just it was such a horrible match. I think it just epitomized how bad Fulham have been this season, this uh, 2-0 loss to Southampton. I didn't think Southampton were great at all. I just think Fulham were that bad. All right, guys, to finish up the show, over to you, Scott. I just want to get your thoughts of – what you're hoping to see under Scott Parker for the rest of the season, that's how we're going to end it. Um, I'm just hoping to, I mean, we're down. I mean, anyone can see that. I mean, it's going to take a miracle to keep us up now. Um, I just want to see a little bit of enjoyment sort of brought back to the club. Um, I want to see fans smiling again this season. You know, so we'll get off the train, smell that Fulhamish kind of smell when you get off and, and crave, you know, this, this inflated ticket thing going on and, you know, the way that we've been driven this season attached us all from the club and, and, and the football on, on the field has gone with it. Um, you know, I don't care if, you know, we go out and, you know, we get beat in these games. It's, it's most likely we're going to. We're not going to pick points up against Liverpool, Chelsea, you know, sort of Man yep. City, like that. But let's have a little bit of fun. Let's um, let's, let's start playing some football. Let's start playing the right tactics. Um, you know, let's, let's, let's do what we're good at. And that's, and that's you know, football. Um, let's, let's hopefully we can achieve that and just, you know, 
bring back a bit of feel-good facts. So let's build some morale, um, and then you know we can get this season out of the way and done with them. Hopefully, we can take that with us back to another campaign where we we hopefully get promoted at the first time of asking. Okay, excellent, Scott. Luca, over to you. What are you looking for with the end of uh, the season with uh, Scott Parker? Just hopefully just um, get the, um, just hopefully just play with no fear and just try and enjoy it. We're going obviously we are going down, as Scott said. So I've just got to try and enjoy it. We might not know we might not even be back for a long time in the Premier League. So we've got some big games coming up. So let's just try and try and enjoy ourselves and give it a bit of a go. You know, if we get beat, we get beat, but at least try and get supporters happy. Try and entertain the supporters with a bit more better football than what we've seen for the past few months, and just try and get a bit more confidence installed for for, them, for next summer. It's going to be a, a difficult summer coming up. The rebuilding process will start from then, so hopefully, just get fans happy again and get people back down at Craven Cottage with a smile on their face. Okay, excellent. All right, Luca, first to you. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. No problem. Thanks for thanks for having me. It's been good. It's been great. And listen, I just want to let you know that uh, I've watched your videos for a very long time. You do an excellent job, my friend. You also do a very good job, not only on your own channel, but on the Fullness channel. And in case fans aren't aware of your YouTube channel and, and also the Fullness channel, please talk about what you've been doing because uh, I enjoy all your videos. Well, basically, I started off last season. and I didn't really give it too much thought. It was after the Cardiff game. We drew 1-1 and we didn't start the season too well. So I thought I'd just give my opinions about it. And people seem to enjoy it, and I obviously got to a bit, obviously did a few more videos, and it kind of snowballed from there, really. So I'm quite happy with how things have gone, and yeah, I'm, I'm quite pleased with how, how things have grown. People seem to enjoy it, so that's always a positive as well. Well, you're doing a great job. Just keep it up there, my friend. Mr. Tanfield, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and um, Keep up the great work on Friends of Form. Anything going on in Friends of Form that fans should be aware of? No, it's miserable like most Fulham places. <laughs> um, but it just goes hand in hand with everything else for us. No, we're still ticking over. I mean, um, you know, it has been. And I mean, like tonight, I feel very subdued doing this show. Nothing to do with you, sure. Russ. I'm very flat as a fan at the moment. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's it's been a really sad season. It's not over at the moment. I just feel very deflated at this minute talking anything Fulham. Um, sure. You know, I've been, you know, my age, I've been through, you know, a few relegations and bad seasons and stuff. And even though football was rubbish, you know, we, we, we were still a club. But it's that whole kind of identity thing as well, um, you know, the detachment from this season and everything else. And, you know, and rightly, people are flat. But, you know, the forum's doing good. I would advise there is, um, just give me um, a bit of information. If you go sure. on to Fulham, um, a chap took the time to go on to a Leicester um, forum um, and actually ask their fans, you know, um, about Ranieri, about the sacking and, you know, what, what their thoughts were about obviously him taking over at Fulham because no one rushed on the forum to actually congratulate us. So he thought he'll go off and ask some questions. And if you read into their forum, um, the links on Friends of Fulham, um, yep. quite a lot of them are actually sort of glad that he went in the end. They talk about the promotion through him, how he got quite lucky, you know, with they were surrounded with very good players that sort of played out their skins for that season, you know, like um Mares, you know, um and obviously Vardy on, on yep. fire. But come the secondary season and whatever, they, they they couldn't really wait for him to get out. So wow. it's quite an interesting topic that one. So pop over and have a look at it. Um it sort of opens a few eyes. Oh thanks for mentioning that Scott. I'm certainly gonna take a look at that. All right, great show guys. Let's wrap this up. For Scott and Luca, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk.
It's the 90th minute. And all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping. And you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.